Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Five Minutes with Phil. I'm Phil Routley, President and Head Coach of Soul Impact, a ministry built to help each one hear those amazing words from the Master, well done, good and faithful servant. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, first couple of verses say, The Spirit clearly says that in later times some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. We're going to focus on the second verse. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Teaching that leads people to abandon their faith comes from hypocritical liars. The greatest liar of all time, of course, is Satan himself. He began by lying to himself about how powerful he was. Hard to imagine, but he was the greatest of all angels, dwelling in the presence of the living God, and he seems to have thought, I can take him. In a power struggle with God, he thought he could win. What was he thinking? This was the creator of the universe he was fighting. I can almost imagine God speaking the world into existence with Satan watching, but when Satan tried to do what God does, he gets nothing, not even a vapor. So what does he do now? He has his army of demons, fallen angels, at his beck and call. But surely he must have already known the outcome. He was doomed, and so were they. All he could do was try to take as many with him into destruction as possible. That became his mission. So he lied to Eve and to Adam, and his destiny was set. He would destroy the lives of as many people as possible for as long as he possibly could. Even when Jesus came into the world, lived a sinless life, and was crucified, I think maybe Satan saw a glimmer of hope for himself. But when Jesus was raised from the dead, demonstrating an ultimate win for all who would believe, he knew he was done like dinner. It's only a matter of time. But the deception, the lies, the hypocrisy continued and continue to this day. How often does he keep on saying, God, did we really say? We know the answer is, yes, God did say. But he keeps on casting doubt. He is really good at that. And unfortunately, many continue to be deceived and take up Satan's mantle of disbelief. In fact, Paul doesn't write that these lies come from Satan, but through human beings. Why do people continue to follow him to destruction? Why do people do anything that is evil? A lot of it, I know, I just don't get. Why do the Taliban treat women the way they do? To grow their influence and power? Sure. But why is power and influence more important than simple human decency? Why do people claim that an unborn baby is just an inconvenient piece of tissue? That's more tr no more true than to say human hands are just muscle and bone when they can sometimes create masterpieces of art and music. The human brain isn't just tissue, given its power to understand and create. Thomas Sowell said, it's usually futile to try to talk facts and analysis to people who are enjoying a sense of moral superiority in their ignorance. Some people don't want to know that a fertilized human egg is a child until its life is ended. 
A while back, three congresswomen stood before the U.S. Congress and talked about their decisions to abort and how precious that right is. One comment I saw that I agree with is that there are two victims in every abortion, a dead baby and there can be a dead conscience. It's as if they have no heart, no love for anyone but themselves. I think of the story of Pharaoh, ruler of Egypt, during the days of Moses. In Exodus 7, Moses and Aaron appear before Pharaoh for the first time, and the challenge is on. The first one was for Aaron to throw down his staff, and it turned into a snake. Pharaoh's sorcerers did the same thing, but Aaron's staff, his snake, ate theirs. But Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them. Moses and Aaron then turned the waters of the Nile into blood. Again, the magicians did the same thing, and Pharaoh's heart became hard. Then it was a plague of frogs that was so severe, Pharaoh said, I will let your people go. But when Moses removed the frogs again, he hardened his heart. Gnats, flies, plague on livestock, and his heart was unyielding, boils. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. I'm not sure what has changed is nothing up to this point is unknown to the Lord. All along, he knew that Pharaoh was hard-hearted and hard-headed and that he would renege on each promise. Maybe this time Pharaoh was more ready to let people's people go, God's people go. But the Lord had other plagues in mind, culminating with what would become the Passover. Hail, again, back to Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not let the Israelites just as the Lord had said through Moses. Locusts, darkness, the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. Finally, the plague on the firstborn, when Pharaoh finally relents. So the children of Israel, a million strong, head for the promised land, but even then, Pharaoh changed his mind. It sounds like he was also under pressure to bring back the laborers who were now headed for the desert. So his army chased them until God parted the waters of the Red Sea to allow the Israelites to escape before drowning Pharaoh's army. In the end, of course, God's plan to get out of Egypt and on the road to the promised land was fulfilled, but not without its drama. Even before they got to the Red Sea, some of the Israelites wanted to return to slavery in the only land they had ever known. When they got into the wilderness, they complained about food and wanted to go back to Egypt. When they got to the promised land, 12 spies were sent. Ten of them came back and said, there's giants in that land. We're goners. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, if God is with us, they don't stand a chance. Guess who carried the day? There are many who are deceived, hard-hearted, and who have their consciences seared so they don't know right and wrong. Paul's reminding Timothy and us not to be one of them and not to do, not to do what they want to do. Remember, it's a war out there.